Today's gospel is from Matthew chapter 16 and the basis for our meditation and sermon today. This is continuing the very previous week when we looked at Jesus who said to his disciples, who do you say I am? You are the Christ. And we, we found that in the Christ we have a full victory where the gates of Hades will not overcome him. And now Jesus is um, not just building his church, but he's preparing his disciples for the way of the cross. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what do you do on a bad day? What do you do when you're frustrated and hurting inside? I could probably hear stories from your family members and friends who know you well, and guess what they did this time when they were really upset about something or bothered by something? What do you do with that? What do you say? Did you hear the psalm writer in Psalm 31? Some of the verses I'm about to read to you are, are a repeat, but I want you to understand that Scripture gets it, but God gets it, and he plants it into our hearts to understand real, real pain and, and real trouble that in, in, it's in a different way than just somebody who's pulling out their hair or punching a wall. And listen to this psalm writer as he talks about what overwhelms him and the words that he uses. He says, um, be merciful to me, Lord. So first of all, he's praying about it. He says, be merciful to me, Lord. And he says, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. Have you ever cried and like, I can't cry anymore? My eyes are weak just weak with sorrow. I just, I can't do this. My soul and my body are weak with grief. You grieving anything? My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. So it's not just a bad day. 
The psalm writer is saying, mm, it's like this all the time. Pretty sure it's like this all the time. My life, my life consumed by anguish. My years by groaning. That's like the second key word for today. We've heard groaning all over the place. My years consumed by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. My bones grow weak. And then he begins to identify some of the, the reasons. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. And now you begin to wonder, like, boy, this psalm writer must, are they unique? Like, this is, this is a suffering unknown. I have never been looked at like that people on the street run from me. They run from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. You felt alone. That is extreme alone. I am forgotten as though dead. I have become like broken pottery. If you go to do an archaeological dig and join a part of the process, you know what you're very likely to find is what they didn't care whether you found it or not, and it's the broken pieces of pottery. You, you won't find their gold and their silver in some big treasure chest, but you're going to go and find their broken clay. And, and that's what I have become, says the psalm writer. I am the trash in people's eyes. I am, I am worthless to them. Forgotten as though I were dead, I've become like broken pottery. I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me. They plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. There's our refrain. My times are in your hands. So be it. If this is what it means to be yours. Take my life and let it be. It's an interesting approach, isn't it? To suffering and affliction. Instead of just trying to um, get out your best punching gloves and take on suffering and we're going to put an end to this, it's something about like there are so many things outside of my control, but I know that they're not outside all control. They're in God's control. And I trust in him. So I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking with you because that's where my heart's trust is. It's a different approach to just getting out the punching bags and fighting for a life I really want to have right here and right now in the present. And instead, be still, my heart. You have your God. You have your gardener. And now I'm ready. See how we're transitioning? You have been so well gardened. Now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to grow up and to put on the big boy pants and the big boy shoes and it's time to do things that are expected of believers that are not easy. From that time on, Matthew says, from what time? As soon as, as it's off Peter's lips, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes, I am. And we're going to storm the gates of hell, which will not get in our way. And I'm going to take you on my shoulders, and we're going to go all the way and overcome hell. You're with me. Yes. And everybody says, hip, hip, hooray. We have our hero and our savior. 
And from that time on, Jesus said, let's, he gets out his little compass and he says, now let's go this way. And uh, Peter's like, that's the direction for squishing Satan like a bug? This is the direction for overcoming the gates of hell? This is where we're going? I tell you the truth, from that time on, he began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things. The flowers and the lilies are this way, Lord. Why are we going into the dark places with sharp rocks and thicket? Be betrayed and handed over to the rulers and the chief priests who will mock him and spit on him. They have rejected him and he'll be hung to be crucified and die. And on the third day be raised again. Never. What? Jesus, I love you, Peter says. There's like green grass over here. You don't have to go into the darkness. Where are you going? Let's go. Can we, can we go squish? Can we go squish Satan by the flowers? Can we have tea and crumpets? Christ? Instead of Christ the crucified? Never, Lord. Do you see what's happening? The purpose and the meaning of life in this world is being revealed to disciples of God. Purpose and meaning of life that isn't more, 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 all smiles and roses and happiness and cupcakes. I'm talking about the purpose of your life, your life, here and now. It's not that way. It's this way, and it's the way of the cross. Your, your purpose. Jesus says, I, I must. Uh, we're watching The Lord of the Rings as a family right now. Maybe you've read the books or, or seen the movies and you have this ring of power. Everybody who doesn't want a ring of power and control everything and be the person that can say this, that, snap your fingers and basically like being your own genie, right? And you're wearing, to wear the ring of power. And Frodo doesn't, tr tries hard not to put it on his finger. Frodo wears it around his neck and he calls it his burden to bear. And everybody's tempted by this ring of power, what they could have, what I could have right now, and the control I could have over you, right? And Frodo says, nope, I'm, my feet are pointed to Mordor. You see that dark, cloudy, black place over there and the fire of the volcano spewing out of it like I'm going I'm going this way because I'm going to destroy this ring what people so desired Frodo was going to destroy what so many wanted to keep and protect and have for themselves Frodo was going to toss over the edge into the fire and watch it melt away you can't do that. You can't do that. But this was his conflict. This was his cross. What is Jesus taking to get rid of when he says, I have to? What if Jesus didn't go to Mordor? What if he didn't go to the cross? What are we left without? All hope. We're left without anything. 
We're left with the ultimate darkness. There's like an understanding that goes on, like if we're going to preserve the Shire, if we're going to preserve the Shire with the ring of power in its midst, we're just, if we're going to leave it as it is, that is just this mirage. We're like holding on to something that is going to ultimately overtake us and suck the lives that you are selling your soul to the devil. So, so Jesus gets into teaching mode with Peter that says, you don't understand when I say must, I'm talking about the great, the great good. I came as the son of God in flesh, not to sit and have tea and cupcakes with you, but I came to bear sin. I came for dirty work. I came for death. I came that forgiveness had, with its cost would actually be fully paid. And I'm going there. I, I must. There is no other life for the Christ. There's no other life for me. In fact, get behind me, Satan. It is satanic to view the purpose of your life any other way. If you think of yourself as like hoarding and like dreaming and having things that are tied to this world, I'm stepping, I shouldn't be like stepping behind the pulpit because that's where the Bible is and the word of God, but over there as opposed to over here, okay? If you're tying your life to things that are going over here, that's just here and now pleasure and pain. Here and now pleasures and, and, and comforts, I should say. Then you are in the mirage. You are in the devil who puts this shining city that you see over there across the desert. And if we just keep working towards this, I'm going to be happy. Jesus counters with, what good would it be for you to gain the whole thing and lose your soul? This is a daily way we process our must. So first, Jesus instructs us by showing us that this way of the cross is the way of God versus the way of Satan. And you need to wake up every day growing up with this mindset in him to say, this is the way to see my day today. There is a way that pursues things of God in the purpose of the breath that I have. And there's a way that pursues the things of Satan and prioritizes it. My comforts, my joy, what sounds fun. It's like, it is like dirty work. It's like convincing the kids to do the chores. I don't want to like downplay what Jesus is saying by calling his cross doing the chores, but you know what that's like, right? can you please help like wash a window or do the dishes or you know, fold the laundry, clean the floors. You know this long list that we all have with the upkeep of our, our homes and, and make Making our, our places where we live nice. And can we like share the load? We're a team, says the parents. We're a team. We're all in this together. I'm not going to do everything around here, so what can you do with me? But who gets up in the morning and says, chores, yeah. Let's get the rubber glove and let's go clean it. You know, who does that? I, I am like thinking couch and ice cream and other things, this is our nature, is to pursue this. It's our nature. And it's Jesus who has to say, you don't have in mind the things of God. 
but merely human concerns. You must recognize the pattern that all the time this is in front of you is to have the human thing tempting you to a life of ease and enjoyment, lollipops and lazy rivers. And it's not cross on the way to crown. We are going to get nowhere in our growing up worship series in our next few weeks if we don't understand this principal concept that Jesus, Jesus is not going to hurt. He's going to what's godly, whether it hurts or not. You blend pain with the thing of God versus the thing of Satan. So Paul writes in Romans 8 and he says, we know all creation is groaning. Why are you trying to build your palace in a place of thorns and thistles and famines and diseases and COVID? Why are you trying to build your empire here and like hold on to it so tightly as if it were the, the goal and the dream is to, to be comforted into lazy river style when that's not it? It's been subjected to frustration in hope that all creation would be liberated from its bondage. God has bound everyone over to sin so that all might repent. That's dirty work. It's a lie to think I don't need a savior. It's the mirage to think that I'm good enough for God and that hard work of repenting, that hard work of honesty in the mirror would be godly. But that's where he is. Who appreciates the cross? Sinners. Sinners love the cross. You love the cross because you know what it means for your eternity. That by this cross, all of your foolishness, all of your fool's gold pursuits, all of your clamoring for the life of ease and enjoyment, all of that has been paid for and condemned. That guilt that you feel, that shame, that I, my priorities get messed up all the time. I pick easy conversations. I pick easy way outs. I do shortcuts in my communication. I don't work hard at the relationships that are calling for hard work. These are the applications we'll be making the next few weeks. I'm always avoiding the chores, which is so much more than a chore. Cross cross. Mm, it's a word that just, it can't just be bad anymore. Not when so much good has happened on my Savior's cross. A sinner treasures the cross. Do you know who treasures the truth of God, the cross bearing that comes the cost with carrying the torch of true doctrine? and holding to scripture above reason and above what's popular to say, people that are trained by God's word to live his way, those people treasure the sacrifices that have been made centuries ago and, and yesterday by those who stuck their nose out there in the Savior's name to say that's sin or that's false doctrine. They were burned at the stake rewind the clock 500 years ago burned at the stake or they lost their livelihood they they identified with this psalm writer that says people avoid me on the street because i care to be a prophet 
who speaks your word. Are you ready for that friendship to go in that direction? Are you ready to carry that cross? Who treasures it? Who treasures it? People who cling to the truth based on the fact that God has preserved it in the hearts of believers who made sacrifices and lost relationships or lost popularity in the past. You and I do as we stand here today confessing the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, which took lots of effort and pain inside the church to hammer that out. It was divisions caused by false doctrine in the course of church history, wasn't it? That hurt. It hurt to split. But we did it for the sake of the truth. It was a must. We either lose the word of God and just leave a lie of Satan floating out out there as if it's all okay, or we cling to that word and say we treasure. We treasure what you say, even though the world hates that. Who is the friend who rejoices in the cross-bearing Christian who bothers to say, this isn't right what's happening in your life? The one who ultimately repents and says, you are the only one who told me I was going down the wrong path. You're the only one who cared that much to get in the way between me and hell. And you opened your mouth you put it at risk. You considered the cost and you went to Mordor because it was your must. I treasure that. Thank you. These are the applications we're making. Jesus is saying, it's not just me at war with Satan and everybody else just wines and dines in a world of sin over there. No, it's a creation that groans. Learn the groan. And Peter, Paul says in Romans, even, even we who have the Spirit, we groan. We groan in the Spirit. Like it's not just a, oh, I'm bothered by today. It's a, it's a, I'm troubled by today because I care about the way of God in this world. And I'm not going to just walk away from it. I'm going to jump into the deep end. I'm going to grow up into him. And I'm going to choose by God's grace and his power. I'm going to choose to go this direction. Let's go, Frodo. I'm with you and I'm sticking by your side. Because that's worth it. I treasure it. This is the instruction Jesus gave his disciples. And he says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And those words need to have a fresh ring in your heart this morning. Deny myself. Think about it. You are not living today for any of your own purposes that you'd come up for your day. Instead, I'm abandoning that course. My times are in your hands. Believers don't just go through life, woe is us groaning. We groan in hope. We deny ourselves and we take up the cross. You hear those words? You're taking up 
something. Live powerfully in your present. Live powerfully in your pain. Live powerfully in Black Lives Matter, taking up the voices and the struggle and the pleas for help and the cries of those around you. Take up that cross and share that burden and share that load and say, this is a messy world with messy circumstances and troubled things and I'm putting on the gloves and I'm getting ready because I've grown up and I'm not just going to leave the rest of my life to what is easy to say yes to in my own selfish nature. I'm going to deny it. I'm going to take up something that is wonderful. It's because it's God's and it ends in glory and I'm going to go that way. This, this is the way I go. Stop its sinful nature that says my offerings are just fine even though they're not the first fruits in my heart. Stop it. I'm not living to save money. I am living to serve and I put all my resources into what God has planned for those resources, which is things for me, things for others, taking care of needs, helping out and being rich in generosity and pursuing with, with unrelenting zeal the mission of God of saving souls in this world. By all means, the first thing I want to think about with my budget is what I'm going to put in that offering plate because that is the direction of Mordor, and that is worth it. I am not here to be comfortable. I am here for God. I'm in his hands. So that's a huge 180. These views are not 100 or 45 degrees apart. It's human concerns, and it's God's concerns. It's the will of God, the must, or it's Satan. We have to grow up and see it this way. Imagine a response to COVID. A COVID response that says, I can't wait for normal. I just want to be back with my routines that I had before and the luxuries and the enjoyments and the things that I have. Or the COVID response that says, Lord, you took it away and that's fine. I recognize priorities that exist around me, priorities that are worth setting my sights on, that I can lose these other things. And you've taught me that they're not as important as pursuing what is important in my life. COVID can have a great healing response for you and helping you understand this life is not it. Guess what? There's diseases here and thorns and thistles and we groan. And you're teaching me that the purpose of life isn't to set my roots here, but to be the foreigner and the stranger and the wanderer and the traveler until I get home. Home is not February 2020. Home is heaven. Brothers and sisters, listen to the word of God and the reflective questions that, that end Jesus' instruction to you. What good would it be to gain it all and yet forfeit your soul? You're right. Let's grow up. We'll grow up in you and know what life is about. Well, let's go this way. Let's go the way of the cross, a life with God. Our trust is in you alone. Amen.